this um, session is uh, an introduction or what I call a special introductory session. And um, those of you who came a little bit earlier would have seen um, the program. How we're going to do it tonight is that I'll share the first part with you um, concerning an introduction about Our Keeper's Awakening. Now, some of you have never really heard about what Our Keeper's Awakening is. Some of you have. Um, but it's a good reminder. It'll be good for me just to emphasize a few points to you. And after that, we will take a short break. Um, toilets are right round the corner. We've got a book stand out there. It's 20% off. Um, beautiful books over there. And so I hope that you will have enough time to actually have a look at that. After that 15 minutes, we'll come back and I will share with you the introduction to what Kingdom 101 is. Okay, some of you, okay, all of you would have seen that title of Kingdom 101 and you might be just wondering what that is. And that's what it is um, tonight. So let's start with this. Archippus Awakening, welcome. How many of you are hearing this for the very first time? This name, you've never heard this name before. Wow, okay. It's welcome. <laughs> okay, I thought those who are here will at least been introduced to the name Archippus Awakening. Archippus Awakening is a ministry that the Lord has led me to start. And what I'll do is to share a little journey with you. And it really began about a year plus ago. Now, how many of you can recognize this symbol? Where would you find this? MRT station. Very good. Okay, it was actually on the 23rd of September. Um, I was taking an MRT on the way home. And when you have nothing to do waiting for the train, you whip out your phone and you snap a picture. So this was the picture that I took. And it was innocent. I didn't really know what it was. I just shot it there. And the next, uh, I, I posted it on Facebook and on Instagram. And it gathered a few likes. And I titled it my MRT adventure. Because you know I drive usually and I don't really take the MRT. So this was a real bonus for me. The next morning, I looked at this picture again. And as I looked at it, I, I felt the Lord say to me and ask me, what do you see? And immediately, my answer was, an arrow lah. I mean, it's quite obvious, right? I, I see an arrow. And the Lord asked again, what do you see? And I realized it was not just the arrow, but I began to notice this little red line that was just above the arrow. Now, before I share with you what that red line meant to me that night or that next morning, let me just say that by that time of taking this photo, I had been in ministry for nearly 10 years. I've been pastoring a church for about five years and running a school of ministry for coming to seven years. And at a point in time, I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, is this where you want me to be? Because would you agree with me? It's best to be where God wants you to be. And we must never be comfortable wherever we are. And I make it a point every year as I revisit my own journey and my own call to ministry, I will ask, Lord, is this where you want me to be? And this was no different. I was praying, I was seeking, and I was saying, Lord, is this where you want me to be? I was comfortable, I was all right. Pastor, 
dean of the school, everything seemed to be all working out for me. But as I looked at this picture, the Lord actually drew me to that red line that was there. And when I looked at it, somehow instinctively, you know how it is, when God speaks to you, He doesn't have to use words. You just knew that something was blocking this arrow from moving forward. And if you take MRT, you know you're not supposed to move, move forward until everyone comes out. But as I, had that, um, as I came into that understanding, I felt the Lord say to me, Son, I want you to be moving forward, but something is holding you back. That was the message for me. So I asked, I said, Lord, what's holding me back? Because I don't want anything to be holding me back. I, I want to move forward. I don't want anything to stop me from where you want me to be. To cut a long story short, the answer came about a week and a half later, where actually the Lord said, drop everything, because where I'm going to lead you, you have never been to before. How many of you would like to hear something like that from the Lord? Okay, it's like, drop everything. In other words, it's like, you know, I want you to, to stop being a pastor. I want you to, to, to even stop, um, perhaps, you know, the school of ministry. At that point in time, I didn't know. I was still wrestling with that. And I said, Lord, I can cross, but how about my wife and my little ones? And the Lord, you know, you know when God calls a man, He calls a family. And the whole troop has to go with me. And so, that was, my, that was how the story began. And I started to seek the Lord because I said, Lord, you're asking me to cross over and to leave everything, but to do what? And God has this way of keeping quiet. He doesn't give me any answer, no reply. But that, that prompting was so strong that I didn't wait for the reply first. I went to talk to my senior pastor first. And I said, Pastor, I need to go because this is what I sense the Lord saying. Now, graciously, he blessed me, he released me, and I went back to the Lord. I said, Lord, I've taken that first step. I've, inverted commas, given my notice of resignation. You better tell me what's next, because I have nothing else. And you said that I, where you're leading me, I've never been to before. I really have to listen to you and to hear from you. So I was reading the Bible one day, I go back to Jeremiah. And that's because I've always known that I, had a, I have a Jeremiah ministry. You know what's a Jeremiah ministry? It's a ministry where after they hear you preach, they throw you into the dungeon. <laughs> it's not an easy ministry. But even before stepping into full-time ministry, the word was released to me to say, you are going to destroy and to rebuild. Now, at that point, I had no idea what that meant. But having discovered my place in teaching, I found that I, had, I, I, I would have a role to destroy, in other words, tear down teachings that might not be right in the Lord and to rebuild that they will have a right foundation. So through the 10 years, that's what I've been doing. And I realized this is the Jeremiah ministry that I have. So when you, never, when you don't know where God is leading you, take this note down, okay? Always go back to the last stop. So I went back to the last stop and I went to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. It says, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. So yeah, to destroy and to rebuild. After that, I read verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Now that sounded really familiar to me. 
right? MRT Arrow, Hanson, what do you see? Now it's Jeremiah, what do you see? You know, my, my ears sort of, my, my eyes sort of popped out and my ears sort of pricked up. And Jeremiah answers, I see a branch of an almond tree. And God says, you have seen well, I'm watching over my word to perform it. Now, as a good Bible student, I go and research what's this almond tree all about? What is the significance of an almond tree? Now, I'll have you know that the almond tree is called the awake tree simply because it's the very first tree that will blossom in spring. Every other tree would, would remain dormant, but this almond tree would be the first tree that would blossom. Now, the moment I found out that meaning, the Lord said this, Son, I'm going to do another awakening because the body of Jesus Christ is asleep and I want you to be a part of it. So that was the first word that came to me. The Lord says, I am going to do another awakening for the simple reason that the church is in slumber. My people are asleep. Now, as I heard that, I, I was not satisfied. I asked God another question. Do, do, you, do you do that? So I asked God, I said, Lord, I've been in camps. I've been to retreats. I, I, I've been to encounter weekends. You know, Waking the people up is not that difficult. Keeping them awake is a big problem. Who wants to say amen? You're right? So getting the people to be awakened is one thing. I said, Lord, if they don't know what they are being awakened to, it's only a matter, time, matter of time that they'll go back to, us, to, to, to sleep again. And guess what? God says nothing again. And when God says nothing, it means wait, pray, seek again. <laughs> now, two weeks later, I was, I was reading the book of um, Colossians. Because for the entire year, in 2013, the Lord said to read Colossians. Now, I never understood why. God will always tell you to do things that you don't understand. And in obedience, I was just reading Colossians. And so on the 27th of October, I was reading this book, and I got to the end, and I saw verse 17 of chapter 4. Verse 17 of chapter 4. And this verse jumped out at me, and it was Paul saying to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Say to our keepers, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Now immediately I knew what awakening it would be. It would be an our keepers awakening. Now some of you are still wondering, so uh, uh, what, what, what do you mean awaken our keepers, you know? Simply this. My assignment and my task is to awaken someone who's named Archippus and to say to Archippus, Hello, Ahia, Ache, friend, bro, sis, take heed to the ministry which you have received that you may fulfill it. It's as simple as that. We can say amen now. Now you're asking me who's Archippus, <laughs> right? And today, Archippus is just a name of significance because to me, everyone is an Archippus now. So when I look at all of you in this room, we may or may not have been introduced to one another. 
it's okay. I will call you our keepers. Right? So if I look at James, <laughs> you are our keepers to me. If I look at Bonglu, you are, you are our keepers to me. Right? If I look at Edwin, you are our keepers to me. Each and every one is an our keepers. And what do you think I will say to you? Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Stay with me. Because as I processed this, and I was still wrestling with it, the idea of waking or keep, uh, keeping our keepers, uh, awaking, uh, awakening our keepers and keeping him awake, we need to understand the context of this ministry. Now you'll see this alarm clock on our website as well as on our Facebook page. And it is there for a reason. After I read Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, verse 13, God says to Jeremiah again, Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah says, I see a boiling pot that is turned away from the north. And God says, yes, because there's going to be disaster and an impending invasion that's going to come upon the people of God. As I read that, I began to see that we are talking about a prophecy that was fulfilled in the time of Jeremiah. We know that. But we also know that in our day, today, prophecy is being fulfilled. Is that yes? And there is another battle that is coming from the north that has not been fulfilled. And that's the prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39. Friends, we are living in those days. See, our keeper's awakening is what I call an end-time ministry. If we don't understand the times that we are living in, it is very easy for us to become complacent, continue to do church, and then go back to sleep. And I believe this is what the Lord is saying and warning each and every one of us to say, look around you. Things are not exactly rosy. Someone just got beheaded. Someone just got burnt in a cage. Some plane just crashed. We are in those days. This is not the time to be found sleeping. But if you look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, which is the verse for the ministry, you must also read the context. And the context is found in verses 7 all the way through to the end of Colossians. Now, we won't read the whole passage for the interest of time. But let me share the first thing with you. That from verse 7 onwards, we have what we call the Colossian commendation. And Paul writes to the people in Colossae and says literally this, I give thanks to God for each and every one of you every day because you have been faithful and you have been fruitful. He was commending this church in Colossae. They are both faithful and they are fruitful. And you see names that we probably have not heard of before, just like our keepers. Verse 7 talks about Tychicus. Verse 9, Onesimus. Verse 10, Aristarchus. Verse 11, Jesus who is called Justice. Verse 12, Epaphras. And after each name is mentioned, 
Paul commends them and says, this is a fellow worker of the kingdom of God, you see? And so we see a Colossian commendation, but by the time he comes to verse 16, he actually says, now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And here we find a Laodicean context. Why did Paul, after mentioning individuals in Colossae, suddenly he switches his scene to a church in Laodicea? They are neighbors, by the way. And Paul says to the church in Colossae, when this letter is read to you, make sure you read this to the people in Laodicea. But at the same time, make sure you read the letter to Laodicea back to these people. When I read this, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know any letter from Laodicea. Eh? There's no Paul's epistle to Laodicea. So I don't know any Laodicean letter. And the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear and said, You do. <laughs> and I knew what he was talking about. There's only one letter in the entire Bible that's addressed to the church in Laodicea. Do you know where it's found? It's found in Revelation. So immediately I turned my Bible back to Revelation. And we say, and we, and we see in verses 14 to 22. And Jesus actually writes to the church in Laodicea, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now we know that the church in Laodicea is what we call a lukewarm church. And it's been oftentimes mentioned as the end time church today now you can agree or disagree with that there are many theories but we're not here to to this debate that all i'm saying is that we need to understand what lukewarmness is and here if you look at this church jesus says i know your works and the question is were they working yes jesus says i know your works but what was wrong with their works? Now, this is funny, right? We were, we were called to good works. And yet, as the Laodicean church does uh, do their works, you know, Jesus says, I know your works. And then he describes it. You are neither hot nor cold. And I wish you were one or the other because you're lukewarm. I'm ready to spit you out of my mouth. Now, please understand, my dear friends. Hot or cold is not good and bad. Many times in the body of Christ, we have heard it preached before. That you should be hot for Jesus, so you're on fire. But you cannot be cold for Jesus, you know, you're like a block of ice. But that's not the correct understanding. Jesus was referring to the springs that were in the region. They had hot springs and they had cold springs. And the hot springs, the water would be piped in to the city, and they had a wonderful, ingenious way of doing this at that time, into their spas or their baths, that when someone is not well, the hot water had healing properties. It was useful. At the same time, the cold waters, because it was cold, it was piped in in a different way. It was also therapeutic, and it was useful. Can you see? And so both hot and cold were useful. Both hot and cold served a purpose. Both hot and cold 
were good traits. But if you have not hot water and not cold water and it's lukewarm, you can't use this water for any use. It is useless. And that's what Jesus is saying. Your works are like lukewarm water. You have so many works, but they are useless. You're so full of works, but you're useless. That's why he says, I'd rather you be hot or you be cold, because these two are useful. And that's why he, he moves on. He says, because you say, I am rich, and I've become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. Do you not know you're you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Friends, if we, are, if we belong to an affluent and a wealthy church, we better be careful. Because we belong to an affluent and a wealthy nation called Singapore. And it's quite possible that our churches and our members might be like that too. And these people are saying, oh, you know, we're, we're not blind. But Jesus says, you're blind. Now in that region, they, they, they dressed very well. Jesus says, you think you dress very well? You're naked. Oh, but, but you know, we're, we're all this. We're, uh, we've got Bible study. We've got that. Jesus says, I know your works. It's lukewarm. Repent. I'm ready to spit you out. I don't like this letter of, to, to, the, to the Laodicean church. But you see, we have a Colossian commendation and I want to point you to a Laodicean context. After Paul mentions faithfulness and fruitfulness, he says, read the letter to Laodicea. And it's a letter of lukewarmness and fruitlessness. You see that? And then he changes his focus to this one person. From the Colossian church to the Laodicean church to a person called Archippus. Personal now. Single. And he says to our keepers, take heed to the ministry that you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Let me paraphrase this for you. Paul is saying, look at these guys who are faithful and fruitful. But because you're living in this region, you be careful of this Laodicean context because you can become lukewarm and fruitless. So our keepers, you have a choice to make. Our keepers, you can fall asleep or you can stay awake. You can do the kinds of works that the Laodicean church is doing or you can do the works that will bring faithfulness and bring fruitfulness. Fulfill your assignment. This is the reason we designed this logo. So if you look at our keepers awakening to see this little arc down there, from one angle, you see it, it's like the sun rising. So when the sun rises, guess what? It is time to wake up. From another angle, I would like you to see it from the 9 o'clock to the 12 midnight. That these are the final hours of a, you know, the final quadrant of your clock. You see, if we remove this context of the end times, you and I will become comfortable. If we don't live for the coming of Jesus, if we don't prepare ourselves in readiness and to understand what readiness really means and how, it is, it, how is it defined, we will miss the Archippian charge. So let's move on a little bit. Who is Archippus? 
Because I want to know who our keepers is that I can identify with our keepers. And there are four categories, not four, four aspects of our keepers that I want to share this, I want to share with you. The first thing about our keepers is that he is almost anonymous, but he is mentioned by name. Now, some of you have heard this already, but for those who don't know, do you know that the name Archippus is only mentioned two times in the Bible? I've already showed the first one. I've shown you the first one in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. The second one is found in Philemon. Just twice. He's almost anonymous. We don't even know him. I love handing my name cards out to pastors. And they read, they say, oh, Archippus Awakening. Who is this, huh? What is this? Uh? They've never read the name Archippus before. We're almost anonymous, but we are known by name. And I'm trying to share here with you that to be an Archippus, one characteristic is that we are almost anonymous. But you know something? God knows each and every one of us by name. I believe that the days of spiritual celebrities is coming to an end. Look around you. Read the reports. The days of spiritual stardom is coming to an end. Praise God for the leaders. Praise God for their teaching. But I sense that we are entering into a season where God is going to raise His people from the ground up. Amen to that? Alright, and so each and every one of us, we may not know each other. Our names don't feature very much. But we are known by name. God knows everyone. And because He knows us by name, He knows the assignment that He has issued to you or assigned to you in Christ. That's the first thing about our keepers. Second thing which I've been trying to share with you is that an archippus is aware, but he's not apathetic. Singapore Christians in the church are very knowledgeable. The question is, do we remain apathetic? Do we act on the knowledge we have? We may know the end times, or at least the signs of the times. Are we moved by the circumstances? I tell you, I don't think we, we, we move very much. We, we love end time conferences. We held one last year. Very easy to sign up for end time conferences. People show common. But it's not whether you come for an end time conference or not. It's what do you do with the end time conference after that? Our tendency is we like to debate. Is it pre-trip, mid-trip or post-trip? Right? Are we going to be raptured or ruptured? Yeah? If it happens, are we going to stay behind here? What's happening? We, we, we ask all these kind of questions. My question is, my, my point to you friends is that don't ask the wrong question. The wrong question to ask is, is it pre-trip, mid-trip or post-trip? The right question to ask is, whether is it mid-trip, post-trip or pre-trip, am I ready? Am I doing what God has assigned to me? Would that be a better question? Otherwise, if it's pre-trip, if it's in the next second, will we be ready or not? So, our keepers are to be aware of what's happening around us. Friends, things are not well. 
If, if you still think it is, well, I'm here to awaken you, to tell you it's not that great. Things are happening. We need to wake up. The third thing about archipus is an archipus will know how to discern between activity and assignment. Now today I use this language. I want to know the difference between a Christian activity and a kingdom assignment. What's the difference between a Christian activity versus a kingdom assignment? I've been a pastor. I worked with people. I speak with leaders. I talk to elders. I talk to people. You know what? Everyone is almost on the verge of burnout. Those who are awake and wanting to do something for the Lord. Right? They're tired. They're busy. Singapore is conference-saturated. Next week, we may have five more conferences. And we're running here, we're running there, we're doing this, we're doing that. My question is, do we run around doing a hundred things in the church and miss that one thing that God has assigned for us? Would that be important, friends? That's important. And so, our keepers knows how to discern between an activity which is just purely Christian, and it's nice, it's good, but it saps you from what God has for you and what God really has assigned to you. We need to understand assignment versus activity. If you understand the first three points, you know something about your Christian life? It's going to be, ch- it's going to be different. It's going to change. You will be anything but aimless. Who wants to say amen? (laughs) Would you like that? Right? I mean, as someone who has counseled, ministered, and spoken to people, it's so sad. Christians should be the most aimful on planet Earth. Because we keep declaring over everyone, God has a plan for you. And all say, oh, amen. And then you ask them, do you know the plan? I don't know. What do you wake up for? I don't know. And if it's always, I don't know, that's why they would clamor after things to do because otherwise they'll be bored. They have no meaning. But if you know what you've been created for and you understand the assignment, the good works that have been prepared for you beforehand, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, man, you wake up with a purpose. You wake up with an aim. And you know something? If you know your assignment and you're pursuing it, trials and tribulations that come your way, or if you're tired and you're discouraged and you're disappointed by people, nothing deters you because the assignment holds you. Our challenge is that we don't know assignment. That's why the moment someone hits us, only we say, well, I don't want to do. I'm leaving church because there will be another hundred churches who are willing to take you in. Because they need people for all the activities. Are you following, my friends? You see, we we need to understand what God has assigned to us. And you notice all this time I've been using the word assign and assignment. I never use the word call. Because if I tell you the word God has called us, you say, no, I'm not going to be a pastor. If I use the word call, some of you think, oh, I've got to give up my job. No, you don't have to. If I use the word destiny, you say, wow, destiny sounds good, but I don't know where to touch it. It's so far away. Amen? True? It just sounds nice, but but, uh, what what does it mean? 
But you know what's an assignment? I'll tell you what's an assignment. It's a task that's clear. <laughs> Before all of you came, a team of archipuses came in here with a very clear assignment. They arranged chairs. Very clear, they know. You see that? It's an assignment. And they understand what that task is. This is our keepers. And my part here about our keepers awakening is to stir our keepers, individuals, to hold on to these four things. Because these are the four points that will keep you on track and keep you awake. How does it work out? You see, the other mention of Archippus is in Philemon 2, where Paul refers to him as Archippus, our fellow soldier. So let me use army talk. How many army boys do we have here? Our boys to men. We have, right? Huh? We, we would have gone through some army training, huh? whether behind the desk or in the trench. What's AA? It stands for assembly area. What's AO? Is an area of operation. That's army talk. What does the army do before they go out for battle? They assemble in this place called AA. What do they do there? They train. They regroup. They recover. They rest. But they receive their mission. At the right time, they are sent out to their area of operation. Different units will go to different places. So that that's where the assignment is and that's where the battle is. If you look at this, this might be our cell group. This might be our church. This might be our house groups or, or you know, our fellowship, our youth fellowship and all that. And we are very good with AA. But the question is, how many of us reach AO? How many of us know our area of operation? How many of us understand our assignment to be carried out in that area of operation? So there are assignments here and there are also assignments here. And so our keepers needs to be sent out. This might be what it looks like. Because that's where we are. And even as we gather here in a place like this, this could be like an assembly area. We are assembling. Do you know what church means? Assembly. <laughs> right? The church means an assembly. It means a gathering. And so as we gather and love the presence of God, love the teachings, love the fellowship, especially the food, there is a time where we move out from assembly area and some will have larger areas of operation, some will have uh, uh, assignments that would be uh, uh, require greater resources, some will have less, some will take more time, some will take less time. And this is what our Keeper's Awakening is all about. We have to move from AA to AO. Let me share with you Garfield. Today, I, I, every day I'll look at Garfield because Garfield is so Archippus. First frame, time to get up. Wake up, keepers. And he goes, so? Time to get up. That really frosts me, like I have a job. I'm a cat. Why would I have to? And then John shouts, pancakes. And he jumps out. You see, you need to know what you're waking up for. 
You know why we get out of bed each day? Because you have a job to go to. You got classes to attend. Am I right? But we can be clear in all these things. But when it comes to our Christian life, I just suggest to you that some of us may not be as clear. So we ask the question, did Archippus know his assignment? As I share this with you, I will give you four categories of Archippus, knowing his assignment or not knowing. And I challenge every group that I share with because each of you, you can fall into one of these groups. So you do your own evaluation, okay? <laughs> the first answer is yes, he knew his assignment. He was faithful, but he needed encouragement. Now, if you are in ministry and you know your assignment and you are plugging away for the Lord, you know it is discouraging, it is tiring, it is tough. So Paul is writing to our keepers to say, friend, stay faithful. Don't give up. See to it that you fulfill this assignment. So these are for those of you who are faithfully going and need that word of encouragement. I'm here to encourage you, dear our keepers. The second category is, yes, he knew his assignment. He was faithful once, but had slackened or had stopped. I hope there's none here in this room like that. But in encountering Christians, when you have been there, done that, served in the church for 20 years, you say, enough already. I'm tired already. Let someone else do it. Now to you as an archkeeper, I'll say to you, Take heed to the assignment that you have received in the Lord. Don't stop. Keep going. You see that? Alright? So don't stop. Don't, don't leave it to someone else anymore. And we, we, we see this. You know why people switch church? So that they can hide somewhere else. So that they are nameless. They want to be anonymous. They're happy with that. But they don't want the pastor or, or the leader to catch them because they're, they're so tired from serving. Nothing wrong with serving. You just need to discern the difference between a Christian activity and a kingdom assignment. And I'm here to encourage you, know your assignment, and let's stay awake. The third thing about our keepers is that he knew his assignment, but he did nothing about it. Nothing. Now, it, it could be, maybe he felt inadequate, or he feels that it's not time yet. Uh, maybe he's got seven children. I have no idea. You know, something like, he, he will have some reason. And you know, we can always come up with something. Am I right? But perhaps there's a call or an assignment upon your life and you know it. And maybe he knew it. And Paul is saying, look, my dear friend, you know it. See to it that you fulfill it. So some of you might be there. And the third one, which might be the largest percentage is, our keepers didn't know his assignment. In the first place, he might not even know he has an assignment. You, you hear people talk like that, right? Huh? Not me, not me, not me. You, you. Huh? Not, not me, not me. Here, her, her, her. Here I am, send him. You know, that kind? So this is very common. So he doesn't know he has an assignment. He doesn't know his assignment. And the standard answer of Christians, as I share with them, is, do you know your assignment? And they will say, no. I say, would you like, how come you, would you like to know your assignment? Yes. And the next question is, how? They don't know. Okay? And this is what our keepers awakening is all about. 
So do you know which category you fall into? We won't do a raise up your hand thing, okay? But you do your own evaluation, huh? okay? After wrestling with all these things and the Lord showing me all this in the, like, the first three to six months of, of just in my, what I call my cave time, we felt that it was time to birth the ministry of, of our Keeper's Awakening. And so it was on the 3rd of August, and this is held at Bartley Christian Church, where I invited 150 friends, families, pastors, people in the ministry, people who have prayed for me, supported me, to announce the name of our Keeper's Awakening and still share with people, I don't really know how it's going to go. That's about six months ago. Today I just recounted. Today is the 4th of February. Now what was significant was the Reverend Noel Goh was present. And he was one of the pastors who stood with Serena and myself to pray for us. And he whipped out this thing called, called the shofar. And in the Hebrew, it's the yobel, which we get the English word, the jubilee. So the shofar is an instrument of declaration. And because we were entering into a time of jubilee, Reverend Noel said, I'm going to blow this over you because it's also a call of awakening. They will awaken the people of God. A couple of days later, I attended this event. Some of you may have been there too. It's called the Day of His Power. I didn't plan to go, but thanks to my son, um, he invited me and we both went there together. And this is organized by Love Singapore. On the 8th of August, and it was tiring because it, it was like four hours all the way through to midnight. When it came to about 11 plus, I was almost ready to fall asleep and go home. Pastor Lawrence Kong said, okay, now you take out that gift, open the box. And when I did that, this was what was given on the day of its power. And I got all awakened and excited again because this is the symbol of our Keeper's Awakening. And from a national level, our national leaders issue a call of awakening to the body of Jesus Christ to say this is Jubilee let's wake up let's declare and let's do what God has called us to do and so in a rather short time <laughs> I'm sharing our keepers awakening with you and I believe it's going to be helpful because when we come back later we will continue with a little bit of this and then you will understand the context and the significance of what Kingdom 101 is all about all right, so we'll take a break right now. We'll have 15 minutes. Um, books out there, toilets out there, but uh, get to know someone from another church. That will be wonderful, okay? We'll see you back here at 9 o'clock.